All right, Father Jonathan, here we are, 32 weeks in. 32 weeks. How's it going? Pretty good. We're almost at Advent. Yeah. Yeah, we've got some interesting readings, I think, in preparation for that, too. You think the readings are starting to get us ready for that? I do. But we can talk about that. Yeah, I'm interested in your thoughts, because this upcoming Sunday's reading has got me a little bit confused. Oh, good. And Yeah, I'd be curious to hear what you think, especially if you think that they're getting us geared up for, for the end of the calendar. Yeah. But I um, hear but, you had a little bit of preaching experience this past weekend. Oh, I did. I did. I um I got a chance to preach at my parish uh here in Spain, here in Madrid, uh which is great. And uh it was good. I got the chance though to record myself, which mm. was I got to tell you a really cool experience because on my way home I listened to it and I had remembered the homily being pretty mediocre. <laughs> like not, yeah. <laughs> like not very good at all. And then I listened back to it, and it was actually wasn't that bad. It was actually a pretty good message, you know. Um, yeah. How about that? Yeah, it made me feel really happy that I recorded it, you know, to give myself feedback on myself because a lot of people don't really give, you know, in depth feedback immediately yeah. afterwards. People say yeah. good job, or you know. Yep. Have you done that? Have you recorded yourself before? During well, once um, my. Right after ordination at the at one of my masses of Thanksgiving, it's the practice of the parish to record the homilies and post them oh, okay. on, on their website. So I was recorded then, um, and that was fun. That was a week that we were still doing our summer schedule, so I had already recorded that homily. Oh, I see, I um, see. So it was, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it was a really good experience just to hear myself like on. Uh, like I've recorded myself in the safety of my own like bedroom, you know, listening to myself yeah. back um, through this, you know, medium. But listening to myself like thinking on my feet and giving a yeah. homily was very different. Yeah, um, homily in the wild. Yeah, I'm actually thinking <laughs> about. Uh, I was talking to you about this, but I'm actually thinking about posting some of those recordings. I'm going to try and record them every week. Uh, what do you think about that? I think it'd be a great idea. Um, and. I think it would be good for you to have that feedback. But honestly, even more than your benefit, I'm thinking it would be really cool to have um, to expand into the bilingual world to have some Spanish going on. You mean on the podcast? Yeah. All right, man. Well, that means that you're going to have to start recording your homilies. I know. <laughs> all right so that's going to be homework for us we'll start recording our homilies and then hopefully start posting them mine in spanish yep. and yours in bad Texan. english <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good very good yeah so that's something to look forward to uh as we get closer to advent maybe Absolutely. it'll be a nice advent Ooh, gift yeah. for people yeah what if we rolled it out during advent that'd be nice yeah. So speaking of Advent and speaking about this Sunday's readings, tell me what your thoughts were. I mean, you saw a connection leading us up to the end of the calendar year. Well, yeah. I mean, so it's kind of in a roundabout way, but not really. So this reading from Maccabees is really, really incredible. Yeah. And it feels amazing. like it, it feels like it belongs in the New Testament. Absolutely. Because of, because of all this speak of resurrection. And this is actually where some of the earliest um, mentions of afterlife, of being raised up, praying mm -hmm. for the dead, comes in, in the book of Maccabees. Right. So right. a lot of this theology develops f with these readings. Um, 
which I think is incredible. For sure, for sure. Um, how that how that relates to Advent is precisely because it does speak of being raised up. Um, you know, the fulfillment uh, of the Paschal mystery in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ can't happen without the beginning. Mm, can't happen without the incarnation. Oh, I see. So I, I always, and I don't know if this is just a weird thing that I do, but my meditations on my meditations on Advent and Lent are almost the same. Hmm. Um, death and life always come up together for me. Oh, okay. I see. I see. Yeah, I like that. You know, and the, it fits well with the calendar year because immediately after Christmas is when we celebrate Saint Stephen. You know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know the martyrdom. Well, not of, just him, but the Holy Innocents, and you know. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. There's, so a lot, would, there's a couple right in a row of of martyrs. Sure. Well, I was thinking about Advent, even though we're still three or four weeks away from Advent. I was thinking about how it tends to be the case that at the end of the liturgical year, which if you're not familiar for those listening, ends, you know, right around the time of American Thanksgiving and starts anew at the beginning of December, usually with Advent. And the readings tend to become a little bit apocalyptic uh, towards uh-huh. the end of the liturgical calendar um, as we approach the Feast of Christ the King, which is the last Sunday of Ordinary Time, which is happening, I think, in two weeks. Um, yeah, 24th. So I think that there might be something there for me about thinking about how these readings start getting us to be focused on the afterlife and on eternal things and on the last things. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, but keep in mind that the apocalypse is not the end of the world. It's the revealing of the true world, of the mm-hmm. what is real. Um, mm-hmm. And that again, that's the incarnation. God came down from heaven. God became flesh mm-hmm, and dwelt amongst mm-hmm. us. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. That's true. But I mean, there's the consummation of all that as Christ, the King of the universe. Both absolutely, as, yeah, yeah. Both yeah. has come in the manger, but also has come at the end of time. Yeah, um, and again, that's the important thing. It's not just Christ the King; it is Christ the King of the universe. <laughs> right, right. Uh-huh. So i I was thinking about something in these readings that I wanted to bounce off of you. Yeah, I thought. Okay, so th- this week. We we talked about this a while ago about like how homilies can be catechetical and sometimes uh-huh. maybe I might shy away from catechesis and just try to be more just homiletic, you know, and more exegetical. Yeah. Um, there can be maybe a tendency within some Catholic preaching to stay away from just like bare bones, like this is Catholicism 101 type stuff. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But I was thinking about it like this week we have these readings from Maccabees and this reading from Luke that talks about resurrection from the dead, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and what do we mean by the resurrection of the dead? Well, there's a good opportunity here for us to have catechesis upon, upon the last things. Um, that's Absolutely. one thing. That, there's another catechetical thing here, which is that the book of Maccabees is in the Old Testament canon, but it's not in the Protestant Old Testament of the canon. Mm-hmm. And so there's a moment there of catechesis there that gets us away from the content, but maybe it's just speaking generally about what's being offered to us. Yeah. And then the, la- the last point of catechesis, which I thought was interesting too, is that there's a defense in the gospel of living a life of celibate chastity, um, which is something that often gets attacked in modern society of those who choose to take a vow of celibacy. Um, yeah. So anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting thing here because Jesus mentions how some choose not to marry, you know, and they're like the angels. So yeah. anyway, I thought that might be kind of interesting well, thing that there's some catechetical stuff there for us. Yeah, and it's really interesting too. You th- you look at the way that th- verses like that and 
when St. Paul speaks about it as well, people will often kind of dismiss it as being, oh, well, they just thought Jesus was going to come back so soon, so don't even bother. It's like, well, okay, but that's kind of getting away from the call to vocation, Mm -hmm. to what this means to live like the angels. Right, Um, right. So, yeah. So anyway, so there's there's something there if you want to take this on the angle of being catechetical. Like if you had a mass with children, especially, like you could really focus uh-huh. on what does it mean to defend the church's teaching that some are called to marriage and some are called to celibate life. Um, I think generally that gets us away from the main the main meaning of this week's readings. Um, I don't know. I think that might just be a tangential point that could be developed a little bit. I think so. I mean, I I think obviously resurrection is a theme running through. Well, it's Christianity. That's true. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of the 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 one theme that runs through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think yeah, you could definitely get into that. Um, right. So about the main theme though for this week, I really am glad that you started with the Book of Maccabees because I think that the the first reading from the Book of Maccabees is really from the second Book of Maccabees is a really beautiful. Thing like you're saying that could be pulled out straight from the book of Acts, you know, where you have yeah. the witness of those who are faithful. Now, I want to propose this to you. I think that what the church is doing today with the second book of Maccabees and with the, the witness from Luke, where Jesus is speaking to the Sadducees, he's setting up a contrast between the two. Because in both cases, there's an appeal to the law. but uh-huh. it, And also in both cases, there's an appeal to the resurrection. But what's interesting is that in the book of Maccabees, the Maccabees are standing up for the law and in so doing are put to death. Whereas you have in the book of Luke, you have the Sadducees who are not standing up for the law, but are using the law as a weapon against Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the law now becomes their weapon, not the thing that they're defending, but it becomes their weapon to, to to hurt Jesus. And rather than them standing up for the law, they're going to put Jesus to death. Right. So like there's a interesting back and forth here about like what does it mean to stand up for the law and be put to death as opposed to those who use the law as a weapon against Jesus, who they then put to death. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of a weird thing. And even the way that they pose this question, like we're told that they deny the resurrection. And so this whole this whole scenario is like, well, if that's the case, then what about this weird scenario that. You know, this hypothetical. Yeah, they're doing it, I think, to um, to trick him, right? To trap yeah, him. Absolutely. Um and he doesn't really answer that question right. per se, which he you know, people often say he always turns the question back at them. Mm-hmm. Um and then he gets on to what is marriage? And I think that's a really interesting way to look at it because we're I think so often we get so caught up in like eternity with God. Wow, that seems really boring. What is, what am I going to do? What is my state Mm. of life? What's this, that, or the other? And that's just the wrong question to ask. Mm. Um, instead, I think Jesus is right. It's like, no, man, look, uh, that's a question for right now, for this world. How do we live and how are we, um, engaging with each other and with God right now? Because Mm -hmm. in the, in the afterlife, when we are, when we meet God, all of that stuff is going to, fall away mm. and we're going to be with God. Um, does that make sense? It's kind of, yeah, I'm still trying to work my way through that a little bit. Yeah. I think you're, you're pointing out that Jesus is not, he's not playing into their game. He's saying, look, 
the what you're asking has nothing to do with eternity, right? So like there's marriage is not a question for the afterlife. That's a question for for the now. Yeah. Um, I mean, where I would focus a little bit is what you said originally, which is that the gospel begins by admitting that they don't believe in the resurrection. So it's for them to even raise the question, it almost sounds like like when we taught high school, like you have the obstinate student who doesn't want to, you know, doesn't want to concede anything and just comes up with ridiculous scenarios. Yeah. You know, yeah. of like with when I taught ethics, for example, coming up with ridiculous scenarios that are kind of impossible to answer because they're designed to just frustrate. Um, yeah. To frustrate a teacher, and they even call him teacher, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of this play here of wanting to prod him, uh, kind of to instigate. Like we're getting really close to Jesus arriving in Jerusalem, you know. Yeah, so yeah. Luke is Luke, Luke is getting us ready for the crucifixion, and you know the tension is mounting here that they're denying the resurrection, and by denying the resurrection, they're denying who Jesus is because he is the resurrection, and. Yeah. Yeah, and the way that they try to do that is by trying to trap him in this contorted question that doesn't really end up making any sense if you actually understand what eternity with God is, you know? So if you actually understood what heaven and the resurrection was, you wouldn't even ask this question because you'd understand that eternity with God has nothing to do with marriage. Mm -hmm. It's about being a child, (laughs) a child of God. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do think it's interesting, though, that's like, what do you make about this whole thing about the law? Like the, cause in the book of Maccabees here, they're standing up for the law and are put to death, you know, in defense of the law. And then here they're using the law against Jesus. Have you, do you have any sense well, of that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good way of looking at how we can abuse the things that God has given to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, the law was given so that the Israelites could be uh, closer to God, you mm-hmm. know, so that they could follow the laws of the Lord. Um, and over time, especially in the time of Jesus, it kind of not disintegrated. I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like they abandoned the law, but it became a tool to be used rather than, um, the light to see the world by. Mm -hmm. Um, and when it's just a thing that you use to get your way or your position in life, well, we see. We see the effects of that in the New Testament. That's why Jesus right. was so frustrated with them so many times. Mm-hmm. Was that mm-hmm. they weren't seeing God in the law; they were only seeing the law. Right, right, yeah. I mean, there's an interesting parallel here that Jesus is like these, you know, these Maccabees, right? He's being put to death, right, for yeah. for putting up for, for standing up for the law, right, the the truth of God. Um, I'm really yeah. struck by the line from the Book of Maccabees where one of the guys, what is it, the uh, after they've after they've finished ridiculing the third, um, when they asked him to take out his tongue, um, he did it right away, and then he also offered them his hands with great courage, and then he said uh, with great dignity that heaven has from heaven I have received these, um, and because of your laws I despise them, and I hope to regain them um, from God Himself. This, yeah. Is that how yours says it? Something like that. Uh. What is that at the beginning? No, it's in the middle. So it's after the third person is ridiculed. So after they've ridiculed uh-huh, the third. Okay. Um, it was from heaven that I received these for the sake of his laws. I disdain them from mm-hmm. him. I hope to receive them again. Yeah. I, there's something really, really beautiful there that the witness of the martyrs, I'm just thinking about the martyrs in North America mm-hmm. or the martyrs around the world. 
that yeah. there's there's something really beautiful about saying, you know, my tongue and my my hands, it's like, take them, fine. God gave these to me. And if you're going to take them, I'm not going to abandon my God and he will yeah. give them back to me, you know, in the resurrection of the dead. Yeah. So this is great. There's great hope here. Well, and you know, it's interesting to look at. So here in the first reading from Maccabees, we're presented with seven brothers. And then in the gospel, the Sadducees are asking with, um, are asking about if a brother dies, must his brother take up that wife? You know, what happens in the afterlife? Mm -hmm. I wonder if they're kind of... He has seven brothers. Yeah, I wonder if they are dismissing this, what this, what this account from Maccabees is all about, which is to stand up for God to the bitter end. Hmm. To give up everything, to give up everything, even your, even your life. um, If it is for, for the sake of the kingdom. That's the witness of the martyrs. Sure. So how do you so see if them we're only, that? If we're only concerned with um, the question of, well, hmm, I don't know. Help me out with this. Um, I, I will see. I don't, what I'm seeing is all I see in the Sadducees is that they're giving Jesus a math problem, right? Like, yeah. like Jesus is standing up for the resurrection of the dead. Jesus is preaching the, the good news, the gospel, the kingdom of God, you know, and yeah. he's on his way to his own death. And all they're trying to do here is offer him a math problem along the way, you know, in a, in a very seditious way, right? Trying to contort the law to turn it into something against Jesus, where the great irony of the gospel is that he's the lawgiver, right? That, yeah. you know, they, they even call him teacher, yet they don't recognize his authority to be, you know, defining the truth, to be the truth himself. Uh-huh. Um, There's all just one big trap or one big game to try to get him caught, you know, and he doesn't want to play their game. Um, what if this was the Sadducees way of, um, of pushing back to say, okay, you believe in this thing called the resurrection. And we acknowledge that from these stories from Maccabees is where, you know, you Pharisees and you other people that believe in the resurrection have the basis in this. Well, let's continue the story then. What about what happens to their way of life after they've died and they are mm-hmm. raised up. Right. So maybe maybe your questioning is so let's what not if, con- go ahead. Well, no, I'm just saying what if the what if the Sadducees are yeah, what if they're just looking for the rest of that story from Maccabees? Well, what happens? Right. After so maybe up their life? In, instead of instead of seeing them as seditious, seeing them as just genuinely curious, like they're Perhaps. seeking the truth. Yeah. Yeah. What if? Because we, we don't ever we don't ever look at it that way. It's always oh those those cruel Sadducees, and I'm not saying right. that this is the case, um, mm. but it is an interesting parallel to see. Well, what what if they're um, right? Right. And that's good. I like that because maybe it just shows my bias as a teacher, where I just assume the kids are always trying to get away with stuff. Um, <laughs> Could be, you know. But maybe they're just being good students, right? Maybe they're just saying like. They call him teacher and say, teacher, you know, Moses said this. What do you yeah, say? Yeah. And then Jesus teaches them because we don't get a response from them at the end, you know. So, right. right. So this is this is Jesus' moment to teach them what the resurrection really is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he's basically saying to them is that you're thinking about this all wrong. Let me give you the truth here. Right. Um, right. You've got it backwards in a sense. Right. Right. You're thinking as you're thinking as the world does, not as God does. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, you could, I could see that you could take away from them the, 
the sort of the the calumny or the the intentions to do wrong here and just see them as genuinely curious about and then Jesus is highlighted here as the teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, as the new Moses, right? The one who's given yeah, the law. Yeah, yeah. Well, he is the law. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jesus is the one that was sent from heaven to teach. Right, right. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, good. Um, I think, you know, if I were to preach on this like right now, I would probably focus on the book of Maccabees. Like I just, that reading is yeah. so powerful. Yeah, <laughs> it's me too. A- me too. It's just an incredible witness, and it's I, you could have a whole homily just around how I don't know. I mean, I can I can consider myself very cowardly when it comes to you know living my faith with boldness, and just the witness of the martyrs, the witness of even in the Old Testament with the Maccabees. Yeah, um, that could be a homily in itself. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And to look at <clears throat> excuse me, and to look at the ways that um core teachings of Christianity that we sometimes take for granted, like the resurrection, to see how they do develop, not as being made up, but how these are these are being revealed by God in time. Right. Even in the um, Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't like think that. we think about it in that way all the time. Yeah. I think there's a tendency within some, I mean, I can fall victim to this too, of just thinking of a clean break between Old and New Testament, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the God of wrath versus the God of love, right. you know, right. um, the very exclusion of the world, but when then the opening of the gates of salvation to the Gentiles, like everything is a very binary either or um, old and new Testament. Yeah, yeah. I like that. The organic development of salvation across both Testaments. Yep. Very cool. So I do have one more thing that I want to ask you and sure. then I'm going to reveal my bias in my question. Okay. When, is there ever a good time to use the short reading, the shorter form? <sighs> I I was even wondering if your missile had it. I, I don't have the English. I have the Spanish. And so for me, I was wondering if you had an option. Uh-huh. Um, so we do have the option. And I, I never want to take the option. Um, <laughs> I like reading the option to try and get a sense of like what the editors are trying to highlight as the most important thing. Um, mm-hmm. I do find, and I have nothing to back this up with. It's just my opinion. I just have a feeling that sometimes it cut out some of the more controversial things. Mm. Um, like, and I know one, one thing in the lectionary that does happen sometimes is like in the reading from Ephesians with the submission to each other, the husbands and wives, that section can be truncated to remove some of the more complicated, difficult language. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, it makes me uncomfortable a little bit to, to clip the gospel, you know, um, because the long version is not that long. Right, right. And so. for this one, it really is just cutting out a couple of verses. Right, right. It's cutting out the whole thing about, it's the whole the whole scenario has been cut out, you know, if yeah. one is given away in marriage. So anyway, my bias would be against cutting. Yeah, maybe that can be our next Twitter poll <laughs> to see what people think about this. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. All right, cool, man. And leave comments. If you're voting yeah. on our Twitter, leave comments. <laughs> Please do. All right, man. Until next time. All righty. All right, peace. Bye.